Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful summer, and I hope that your fall is off to a great start. It's great to be back with you this week. We took a short hiatus as we pre-recorded several episodes this summer, and now we're back to give you a great fall season of Advancing Our Church. I want to make sure that you're aware of a few things. First, Changing Our World and the Advancing Our Church podcast will be in attendance at the International Catholic Stewardship Conference in a couple of weeks, beginning on Sunday, October 2nd in Anaheim, California. We're looking forward to seeing many of you there, so please stop by our booth and say hello. Perhaps we'll get you on an episode of Advancing Our Church. We'd just love to see you. At the conference, I'll be interviewing Nathan Chappelle, the Senior Vice President of AI at DonorSearch, on his new book, The Generosity Crisis, which he co-authored with Changing Our World's CEO, Brian Crimmins. We're going to have a fascinating, in-depth conversation about how the role and the view of philanthropy have changed and how making radical connections through stewardship is how Catholic organizations can address this issue. In October, I will be having both Nathan and Brian on our show here for another in-depth interview on the book, and so I'll be looking to you, our audience, to offer a few questions about the book. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes for you to pre-order the book on Amazon and a link to a Google form if you'd like to send us a question. Lastly, the topic of cryptocurrency is one that I've been studying over the past year. And so in the spring, we offered a podcast called Stewarding Bitcoin with leading Bitcoin journalist Natalie Brunel, and it received just some wonderful feedback. So we're doing a couple of things. First, in November, I'm planning a live webinar podcast with The Giving Block to talk about accepting crypto as donations. And so watch for that time, date, and that sign up coming to you shortly. Second, I'll be facilitating a panel discussion at a brand new conference in November called the Catholic Crypto Conference on November 17th and 18th at the Valley Forge Convention Center here in my home state of Pennsylvania. I'll leave a link to the conference in the show notes of this episode. We have lots going on here in the fall for Advancing Our Church, and so I encourage you to please subscribe to the show wherever you download your favorite podcasts so that you can be notified when new episodes are available. And now, let's get to work. Today, I am pleased to welcome Renee Underwood, the Chief Development Officer of the Diocese of Fort Worth's Advancement Foundation. Renee and I had a wonderful conversation over the summer on planned giving and the services that her foundation provides to the diocese. Renee offers some great tips on how to grow planned giving at your parish or in your diocese. And so, without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, welcome, everyone. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. So glad to have you all back here today in our midsummer edition here. And today we're going to talk about planned giving. And we have a wonderful guest, Renee Underwood. And I'm going to offer a little introduction to Renee, and we're going to get right down into it, okay? Renee Underwood is a certified fundraising executive and has served in stewardship, development, and Catholic foundation management roles for dioceses since 2009. As Chief Development Officer for the Diocese of Fort Worth Advancement Foundation, she has responsibility for annual and planned giving, endowment funds, and capital campaigns. 
as the current Region 10 board representative to the International Catholic Stewardship Council, Renee has extensive board experience for nonprofit organizations. She currently serves on the executive committees of the Lone Star Council Charitable Gift Planners, Fort Worth Metro Chapter of Association of Fundraising Professionals, the AFP, Fort Worth Sarah Club, and the Southwestern Lieutenancy of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem. Prior to her nonprofit career, Renee served in advertising, marketing, and executive management roles. She holds a bachelor's degree from Texas Tech University, an MBA from the University of Texas at Dallas, and has completed additional graduate studies toward a master's in pastoral studies from Loyola University in New Orleans. Renee is a widow, a mother of two sons, a grandmother of three, and a spiritual director. Welcome, Renee. So glad to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that, Jim. What a wonderful background you have, Renee. What led you uh, from the for-profit world into a life of uh, development and fundraising, especially for the church? Well, you know, it was kind of a natural evolution. You know, you look back now with 2020 hindsight and say, God definitely sent me where I wanted to be. And our Advancement Foundation here in Fort Worth is composed of a lot of individuals like that, people who were very successful CFO of Zale Corporation, you know, people who managed family hedge funds. And they hit this point, they go, I want to do something mission oriented. In my particular case, my for-profit career was primarily advertising and marketing kind of roles, Mm -hmm. first on the ad agency side, then on the client side. But throughout all of that, I always was a volunteer, very involved in volunteer, not just for the Catholic Church, but for a number of organizations. And when you work with nonprofits and you get about a mission, you learn the tricks and trades and tools of development. It's rare that you find yourself on a nonprofit board if they're not wanting, you know, your work, your wisdom, and your wealth. And they also ask you to ask other people for money. So I was living in Lubbock at the time, heard an opportunity that the bishop, who I knew very well, had. He was seeking a director of stewardship and development in that diocese back in 2009. Okay. And it culminated at a time when I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Renee, are you using your gifts and talents the way I wanted you to? And I mean, I'm sure that's not really how we meant it. (laughs) I'm sure he did. (laughs) One thing led to another. And within a few short months, I go, you know, I I went to see the bishop. I said, tell me about this job opportunity. I said, I really don't want to do it unless it's ministry. He Mm -hmm. said, oh, it absolutely is ministry. Yeah. And so I go, well, I've never done development work for pay, but I'm sure I could do it. And that was in 2009. And now, you know, moved from that diocese now to the much larger diocese of Fort Worth. And it has just been a blessing. And I'm just so grateful that that my career shifted this way. Well, you know, you, you hit on so many great topics there, um, and not to go too far off of our planned conversation today, but development as a ministry, and I know you understand what that means, especially with your involvement with the ICSC and and just meeting other like-minded individuals like ourselves, our colleagues who work in development, Catholic fundraising all over the country. It, it really is a ministry, isn't it? I, I would agree with you, Jim. I think a lot of people who don't do what we do and see from the outside in and they 
they think fundraising, they think development, and they get in this transactional mode. Yeah. But it truly is stewardship. It's on a discipleship call. And whether or not my church has a roof that needs to be replaced or whether they are totally debt-free and have no current needs, I still, as a Catholic, have an obligation to give out of my gratitude to a good and gracious God who cannot be outdone in generosity. Absolutely. First and foremost, I feel like my role is stewardship and teaching and preaching stewardship everywhere I can go. And fortunately, I'm able to meet a lot of people who are living that kind of a life already. And what a great blessing it is. I, I saw you're doing, taking some classes in pastoral studies at, at uh, Loyola. That must really complement your work as well, huh? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's one thing to volunteer in the church and be real involved in your church. It's a whole different transition to suddenly work in the church. Yep. And get into the depth of, you know, all the Vatican documents and canon law and and, you know, the, the unique works of the church as, quote unquote, an industry, if you will. And it takes a lot of continuing ed, which fortunately I continue to do that. I'm a lifelong learner. And mm-hmm. so I hear about an opportunity. And fortunately, Zoom and COVID have allowed for a lot more virtual training. And so I'm always learning more and more about my faith and about the church and certainly about my chosen career path, development best practices. I couldn't agree more. I, I you may or may not know I'm I'm in the diaconate program, and part of that is we're getting a master's in uh, pastoral studies. I just find, you know, aside from obviously the formation piece of the diaconate program, just learning more about my faith and understanding the church documents has helped me to be a better writer for development programs a better explainer, a better teacher in in those areas, just understanding the documents, understanding our faith, understanding the theology behind it. It's definitely a worthwhile pursuit, no matter what, you know, avenue of Catholic philanthropy, Catholic stewardship you're pursuing. Oh, I I couldn't agree more. Congratulations for taking the plunge and for your service as a, a deacon. I tell you that I hold our permanent deacons in high esteem. They got me through a lot of serious issues and in past times of my life. And and it truly is a lay down your life ministry. And and you're to be credited for for embarking on that journey. Well, me and my brothers have uh, about two more years, God willing. So uh, keep us in your prayers. I appreciate that. We will do that. So we're going to talk about planned giving, and I know you have a lot of great stories to share and some great experience in the Diocese of Fort Worth, but I thought I might just start by laying the, the groundwork a little bit on the on the landscape nationally. As we all know, the, the numbers came out last month for Giving USA, and uh, just to kind of go through it real quick, giving by bequest grew 28.9% in inflation-adjusted dollars between 2019 and 2020, but this was immediately followed by a decline, an 11.4% decline in inflation-adjusted bequests having been given from 2020 to 2021. Having done a little bit of research on that, it was interesting how the num- some of the experts were saying that the numbers can be so skewed, obviously, and we know this in philanthropy, by one one or two gifts that just you know grew it 
tremendously between 2019 and 2020 for that giant leap of 28%. The cumulative change in giving and bequests over the past three years is 14.2% increase with adjusted dollars for inflation. Just uh, historically, it's uh, give uh, they giving USA the nonprofit times, I should say, reported that bequest is a rather volatile area again because of the big shifts between one or two large gifts can shift the entire piece. And in 2020, there were some extremely wealthy bequests out there that caused an enormous growth. And and that's just a a tremendous credit, obviously, to those development officers that worked with those donors. But on a whole, the, the field of bequests continues to grow. The opportunities continue to grow. And more and more of our colleagues in the Catholic development space are are moving forward and, and, and doing new programs and plan giving for their diocese. So how does your experience, Renee, in the Diocese of Fort Worth compare to some of these national trends? Okay, so so I know you made the comment that one or two big gifts can skew it. But sure. numbers aside, here's the reality. Hmm. The baby boomers that I'm in that generation, everybody knows the baby boomers have disrupted everything throughout their entire lifetimes. And from whether we had to build more schools to accommodate them, to more universities to accommodate them as they age, more hospitals, that generation, as they're aging and passing on, they are making, they're they're different than their parents, just as they always have been. And we are, for the next probably 30 years, looking at the single biggest passing of wealth from one generation to another. And so my take is that this is fertile ground and that every parish, every diocese, every Catholic foundation better be in it in some way. Because, you know, one of the things I look at is I I see obituaries throughout our diocese. I always look at them and see where the family wants memorials to go, for example. And it's often, you know, their college or the American Cancer Society or a local hospice or something. And we hear more and more in our work in Catholic philanthropy, the main reason the Catholic Church and our parishes and schools do not get remembered is because we don't ask the way those other organizations do. So I'm a champion for if you're doing a little bit, doing more. If you're doing nothing, do something. If you're doing a lot, expand it because the benefits only grow. Here in the Diocese of Fort Worth, easily we probably are working on true closures, paperwork signatures of at least three different plan gifts a week. That may be a small estimate. It's also very difficult to quantify, but it is because of these seeds, whether it be email signatures, bulletin announcements, all the kind of resources we make available for our parishes, telling the stories of those people who choose to make a planned gift. That's a big part of our strategy here is when we do get someone to commit and we know we we don't talk amounts, we talk about their decision and the way they chose to do it say was that quick and painless were we nice to work with and you know they'll say yeah and say well why don't you just run something by you would you let us tell your story and almost everybody is very willing to do it while they're humble selfless people 
they recognize that by their example, others may also be called to do the same. And that's a big part of our effort is celebrate them through, we have a legacy society in the diocese, but also share the stories because people are bright and they connect the dots and they go, oh, people like, I'm not so different from them. They go to my parish or I know where they worked or, you know, I was a school teacher too. It's not billionaires and gazillionaires who are making planned gifts. It's ordinary folks. And that's that's a big part of what we've got to get. That myth of, you know, sometimes the word estate and bequest, that sounds real fancy. And then we need to be more inclusive in the language that we work with. Mm-hmm. Does your foundation kind of have a list of prospects that they're working on for planned giving? Or how do you identify, you know, those who might be ready to move into that kind of conversation? Well, we're fortunate here. We run the annual appeal for the diocese. We also do all the gift fulfillment on every major capital campaign, mm-hmm. every commitment card, every pledge card for just about anything you That's can great. in a parish in the diocese of Fort Worth. You know, I'm interested in making provisions. And, and so we get a lot of feedback from those comment cards, a lot of calls from that. Mm-hmm. We, we provide a lot of resource materials for our parishes. Yeah. You, you never know, are they using it, are they not? But every time I get a call or one of my gift officers receives a call, we always say, tell me how you heard about me. How did you get to reaching out to me? And the majority of it is I saw something in my parish, a bulletin mm-hmm. or on my parish website or whatever. And that's how they knew to get to the advanced foundation. And we, as the foundation here in Fort Worth, we provide this service to the parish because all they really need to do is promote and encourage, and then we'll follow up with the conversations and the details and the paperwork. And it matters not to us if they want 100% of their estate proceeds to benefit the parish and none to the diocese. We don't really mind. Our, Our role is planned gifts for the good of the church in the 28 counties in North Central Texas. Sure. And your foundation kind of, you had mentioned you handle all the pledge redemption for your for your parishes, for the campaigns, which is great. Are you a, essentially a full service foundation providing all those kinds of development, or most, most of those? We do development support for school development directors. We have a coordinator and we run monthly forums for them. We try to help our development people and stewardship people in the parishes Mm-hmm. Be better at what they do because in the end it benefits all the broader church and so yeah we're very much involved in that and because of, of that we get to know a lot of our parishioners mm-hmm. as a matter of fact this afternoon i'm heading uh new fairly large parishes about to launch a capital campaign and i'm meeting with them early to let them know what consulting services will provide for them Hmm. uh, on their capital campaign and how they can do that. Well, I'm going to be sitting in a room with 12 people, many of them prospective donors to other things in the diocese. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great way that, that we operate here. It's wonderful that you're you're connected also to the Catholic schools in your diocese. Do you find a lot of playing gifts coming out of the the Catholic schools? That has really grown in the last two years a lot Mm -hmm. 
because I've done um, endowment 101 uh, webinars with my school development people. I've walked with them through assisting them on plan gifts and kind of each little win you have in a parisher school, you know, I get this. Okay, it's not so hard. And then they're more comfortable talking about it. And before you know it, one story leads to another. And and I've got one little uh, Catholic school in Arlington right now. They're just fertile ground on new endowments and new plan gifts for their little school. And it's just because they're championing the idea of paying mm-hmm. off. From the diocesan perspective, you mentioned endowments, which is obviously one of the, like, as you know, one of the more um, natural places for a planned gift to flow. But do you find that more of your planned gifts flow to endowments or are they unrestricted or do you see kind of a, a distribution where, where donors really want to dedicate their bequests? Well, usually the call starts with, I need the bequest language. Mm-hmm. But then they realize that's not as, uh, yeah, you can do it in a simple sentence. Yep. It leads to, they say, well, I'd really like so much for operations at this parish and so much for this, and I want it to benefit tuition assistance for kids from this neighborhood. They start getting complicated. Uh And that's when I first throw out the suggestion, are you possibly in a position now to set up an endowment that spills out all those restrictions? And then your request or your beneficiary designation can be to the XYZ endowment. And as soon as they learn that opportunity, I'd say 90% of the people we work with, they say, oh, yeah, let me fund that endowment now. You know, we have a minimum and ours is a small minimum compared to a lot of dioceses, $10,000 worth will name and open an endowment and it can start earning money. And then they, their will or their life insurance policy or whatever else directs to the endowment fund. Sure, sure. That's great. Do um, you know, I think a, a lot of development directors that I've spoke to over the years, they, there's the desire to get involved with plan giving, but I think there can be this fear that, well, I... I may not exactly understand how to set up a charitable lead trust, or I don't necessarily understand all the language of the ins and outs of some of these kinds of formal vehicles that uh, donors would want to set up. Uh, I've always encouraged them. You just got to, that's why you have financial advisors. That's why you have people, partners that you work with. What is your advice on that? I feel the exact same way. I mean, obviously, I went for my CFRE credential to learn more about the plan giving round. And mm-hmm. I've learned a lot just simply from encountering different types of gifts. But I've got to tell you, when the, the structures start getting really, really complicated, it's often me, the donor, and the financial advisor or the estate planning attorney in the room hashing out the possibilities. And I defer, obviously, to them for tax benefits and things like that. I know enough to be dangerous, and I try to keep myself informed and educated, but mm-hmm. it is not a reason not to promote plan gifts. Sure. So, Absolutely. I know you've had some great success stories come out of your parishes. You had a, a couple of, of, of seven-figure gifts. Tell us about them. Okay. So in December... Yeah, early December, we get an email. It wasn't two lines long. It was basically, I'd like to leave my whole estate to the Diocese of Fort Worth. Would somebody call me back? 
and the man now that we know him really well it's like that's how he is a man a few words you know just shorten to the point and so of course and I didn't make the initial call I have a I call him the major gift officer but technically he's planned gifts you know whatever you need to follow up on a lead and he he got with this guy never been married he had come into an estate bequest he's probably currently uh worked got about four million dollars in assets he wanted to leave it a hundred percent to the diocese which was surprising to us because uh we thought surely some for the parish and so when we got into the conversations with him and asked him what led to this our bishop had been to the parish multiple times, not just for confirmations. He'd go and say mass on a Sunday. He liked his homilies. He liked what he had to say. He believed that this bishop and his successors would always know best what the priorities and what the needs would be. And for that reason, he wanted it to give all of it ended up coming to it, uh, fund our annual diocesan appeal because wow. the annual diocesan appeal is the priorities of the bishop at any moment in time. And so that that turned into he, within a week, had uh, reworked every bank account, insurance policy, everything he had, structured it where it was set up to us. And then he did do, like I mentioned earlier, funded a $10,000 endowment to open it that spells out that all his proceeds are for the priorities of the bishop as defined by the annual diocesan appeal. So that will be certainly a transformative gift based on the age of the guy and, you know, are looking at, at things. It, there's the potential that when this comes through, it's going to be about a $10 million gift to the annual diocesan appeal. As I said, that'll be a transformational gift. Yeah. Significant impact. And what a beautiful way. I mean, you know, having for those donors who give to the annual appeal every year, it was something It's something that's important to them and they want to continue, you know, the, those ministries after their death. It's a great, it's a great cause and an easy one, I think, for a lot of people to include in their estate plans. So it makes great sense. But I, I was just really impressed that it was the trust in the bishop. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of our good Catholic faithful donors, they get that, they understand that, 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 that there's all these hot buttons here or there, but the key sure. issues and the key priorities, I mean, our bishops are our our leaders. They're the successors of the apostles, and we must trust in them, not just today, but 30, 40 years from now, and even after I'm gone. And that's a really important factor when you're making a request, because this is a gift that's going to keep on giving forever and ever and ever after you're gone, depending mm-hmm. on how well you've managed it. Now, if it's, you know, a thousand dollars and it goes straight to my parish and I pay a bill with a thousand dollars, they may never memorialize you. You know, that's a shame. I try to work with parishes to do things to permanently recognize those who make these kind of gifts. But, you know, that, that 
that's important. That's they're considering us a part of their family. And we need to treat them like family and, and treat them with respect. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And you had another uh, big seven-figure gift come in as well. Yeah, this one was just last week. And this wow. one give credit to a pastor. So I mentioned earlier, we send our parishes lots of resource materials. They have all kinds of flyers. They have estate brochures in their brochure racks that, that drive people to us. But we also send them, I call them bulletin blurbs, if you will, little short paragraphs on different topics, everything from charitable gift annuities to uh, bequests or uh, beneficiary designations, stock gifts, all those kinds of things. And I suggest to the parishes, and I send them on a fairly regular basis, refresh them with um, new content. But I said, have at least something in your bulletin every week. Not the same thing, but kind of rotate and keep it fresh. Well, this one little parish in Arlington, Texas, and they're a very good stewardship parish. It should come as no surprise. They're very good about everything they do on comment cards. Please have someone contact me about making provisions for the parish in my estate plan. But they took these various bulletin announcements and they modified them into a real pretty word document and put a border around it and put the parish logo and inserted it in the bulletin. Through that, about 10 leads surfaced. And Monsignor Pemberton over there called me and he said, we have these leads. What do we do with them now? I said, well, that's what will come into play. And so I said, how about this, Father? How about you send a letter? And I composed the letter for him. He sent the letter to all the people. And he said, thank you for your interest. I would like to introduce you to. And if you're willing to have a cup of coffee or discuss this further, well, then that's when me and, and my um, major gifts officer, we follow up. And, and a lot of those leads are still active. But just this last week, one of those ladies who you would have never in a million years thought she had this kind of money, but her situation, no kids, never married, only two people she needed to cover in her life were a brother who's in advanced Alzheimer's and is likely to pass soon, and then a, a, a mother who is, is uh, actually close to death as well. And so she has already redrawn her will that 100% uh, after, you know, assuming she passes after these other two people, 100% is going to go to this parish and current value of that is, uh, and she's already put the beneficiary designation on the portfolio is a million dollars. Wow. And it wasn't that much work. And it wasn't like, you. I mean, you might be sitting next to her in the views and go, could she give a million dollars to this church? Probably not. But after her death, she can, you know, because yeah. this wealth is coming from retirement and from, from funds that, that you might need them now to live, but it, depending on when you pass, they're going to be substantial residual left. Tremendous. You just never know, you know, that single person, like you said, who no kids and just wanted to make a difference in the church. It's tremendous. You see a lot of folks coming through with um, li using life insurances or leaving, you know, leaving uh, the church and with life insurance policies. Do you get a lot of those? 
Yes, and that's a growing thing. You know, things get trendy about, oh, I'm giving through donor advised funds, or I'm giving this way, or I'm giving that way. Yeah. But we in this diocese have a, and I'm sure other dioceses do as well, we have a very respected Knights of Columbus insurance agency and present sure. Knights of Columbus, and they're partners with us in planting the seeds of plan giving through those policies. And we have and not only Knights of Columbus insurance, but but predominantly that insurance where people literally take out the policy for us and in our name, and then they just pay the premiums. And so that we're full beneficiaries, people are choosing a portion of the policy to benefit a spouse, for example. But we, I encounter a number of people in this very generous diocese who they've been raised and trained and believed in the time. Mm-hmm. They don't open a new bank account. We know when the bank says, okay, who, who gets this? And 10% to the church in their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, new life insurance policy, at least 10% to the church. And 10% of some of these pretty substantial policies can really be a lot. So we're, we're just grateful that there are people who do that. That's tremendous. I, I love the relationship you're talking about with the Knights of Columbus. That makes so much sense. Have you seen other dioceses doing the similar thing? Because you guys can work together yeah, to really... Now, I do obviously a lot of networking with my counterparts in other dioceses. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's never come up, but I can't tell you how many times the Advancement Foundation have been side by side at an event promoting planned giving. Yeah. Um, and, and I've got them to co sponsor some planned giving events. We try to be really low low pressure, just plant the seeds. Because my, my opinion is, and I feel this way about a lot of fundraising, is let people know the needs and the opportunities, listen to them, what their interests are, and let they'll connect the dots. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I find out their passion is for seminary and education, we start talking that way. Right. You know, I'm not going to start push, pushing Catholic education down someone's throat. You can Mm -hmm. always meet them where they're at and find out what their interests are and then just grow the relationship. And and it's it's not really high pressure. You know, people will always come to you and say, I can't believe you asked people for money. I said, I can't think of I I don't really think of it as asking people for money. Right. Yeah, I'm sure you feel the same way in your report. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, I I was never one for the the high pressure sales tactic, and sometimes I would I had colleagues who weren't in development; they worked in other departments, but they didn't quite understand the role. You know, they kind of thought of you more as a salesperson, almost as a used car salesman, to go in there and put the high pressure uh, tactics on. But as you say, you said it beautifully. All development is about relationship building. It's about going on that journey with the donor and finding out what's important to them and helping them make sure that that is taken care of both during their lifetime and and after their lifetime and helping them to find opportunities to share their time, talent, and treasure, not just their treasure. So totally agree. And that kind of makes me think, you know, we'd had this conversation about the baby boomers earlier. Another fertile ground we're finding in plan getting in our parishes in this diocese, we've got a number of parishes that 
the largest givers and are aging and slowly dying. And Mm -hmm. those parishes are realizing, you know, we're not getting as many new younger families and getting the, the amounts of their gifts as quickly as our aging population is dying. And so we kind of have a little message out there that we talk about. We'll say, who will replace your weekly offertory to the parish after you're gone? Question mark, question mark. Right. You will. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when we plant the seed of an endowment fund that they open or a bequest that then could open a fund and that the parish could receive income year after year after year after year after they're, they're gone. And that's appealing to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, young people don't so much want to talk about the mortality. People my age and older, we're realists. We know. And we're, and we're planning and we're openly engaged in having those conversations. And it's far better to have these conversations now than at the funeral home when somebody looks over at the kids and said, uh, who should memorials go to for mom? And mm-hmm. and the kids have no clue if the if the parents are very intentional and they make these decisions known to their children and can get their children to talk about it, the kids will say, hey, I have no doubt it goes to the the seminarian fund at the Diocese of Fort Worth or, or whatever it may be. It's a shame if any of us who are living today let that opportunity go by. I ask my sons all the time, where, where does mom want her money to go? You know, of course, I have documents. Yeah. Things, but I said, where do you want it to go? And boy, both my sons can recite it back to me. You know, they know. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure. And it's so important to have a will. So many Americans do not have last wills and testaments. My wife and I just redid ours a couple of years ago. And it's so important to set that up, especially for the kids and the families. They don't have to I have to question that. But you talk so much about the wonderful services that you provide to the parishes. If there's somebody listening now who maybe they're working for a parish, maybe they're just working for another kind of nonprofit, but they haven't really gotten started in plan giving. But where would you suggest that they get get started at? Okay. Well, you know, every diocese is structured a little differently, but mm-hmm. they need to look at what resources are available to them in either their diocesan stewardship and development department mm-hmm. or their Catholic foundation, mm-hmm. because all of us do it differently, but there may be resources for them there. You know me, I'm on the board, I'm former executive committee. I am passionate about the International Catholic Stewardship Council. First week on the job back in 2009, I had grant deadlines. I've never written a grant for the Catholic Church before. My second week on the job was the ICSC conference in Dallas. It changed my life. I met vendors and partners, strategic partners. I met colleagues doing what I did in other dioceses. They would find those parish people would find those same resources at that conference and by getting involved they just have to visit it's catholicstewardship.com and the conference is coming up uh, in early October and and we're going to be in Anaheim this year we're all looking forward and it is worth your investment to be there if you're in parish or diocesan volunteer or paid 
stewardship, development, fundraising, capital campaigns. I, I can't say enough about the networking. And I know you go, Jim, so you might want to chime in here about Oh, yeah, that. absolutely. I've been going for over 20 years. Actually, I think my first conference was in Philadelphia sometime in the 90s when I was working at a oh, parish as a youth minister. I would love to go to Philadelphia. So way back when. And then eventually I... As a consultant, I was there as a diocesan development director. I went for years and was one of the presenters and still, and changing our world. We will be there in Anaheim this year as one of the sponsors and uh, we'll be giving one of the talks. So I can't, I, I've met lifelong friends. I, uh, when I was early in this work, I found a couple of great folks who were kind of mentoring me and helping me as I was figuring out the best strategy for a diocesan appeal or plan giving. I mean, the, the greatest form of flattery sometimes is plagiarism and they're all happy to share their what they do and how they do it. And we all just wanted each other to be successful. Yeah, so, and say the best ideas are recycled, but you yes. know, specifically <laughs> the plan gifts and yeah. you know, the trends more and more plan gifts. So you're going to find tracks. And yeah. you know, I think there's more than like 72 breakout sessions. Plus oh yeah. Great plenary sessions, but you're going to find a lot focused in the area of plan giving, how to do plan giving in a small shop. Mm-hmm. Um, plan giving basic and then more advanced topics in it. So I think it'd be a great resource for anybody wanting to know a little bit more. I will tell you, so these are secular organizations, but uh, they've been real helpful to me. I'm involved in the National Association of Charitable Gift Planners. Um, I'm a member of our local Fort Worth Lone Star chapter, and that's another really good organization to get involved in. If you want to understand more about plan giving and then the Association of Fundraising Professionals, AFP, again, you'll be there with nonprofits of all kinds, not just Catholic, but they have a lot of great training, learning opportunities, and certainly mentoring and networking with plan giving. And those have been invaluable to me as I've built out our program here in Fort Worth. And you know what, Renee, if um, if when we're done here, if you want to send me a couple of links, I can include those in the show notes of where people can find any of those organizations that oh, you've mentioned, absolutely. including the International Catholic Stewardship Conference and how they can register. Absolutely. I'll send you the links. That's great. Yeah, we can do that. Absolutely. Well, before we, we wrap up here, just tell me a little bit about, you know, I should have done this at the beginning, but tell us a little bit about the Diocese of Fort Worth. You know, I, I have driven through Fort Worth from actually, we, we did the long drive when I was a kid. We lived in central Florida and we drove all the way back to my hometown of Phoenix, Arizona. So I know how long the state of Texas is and I know how hot it gets, but tell me a little bit about Fort Worth. What's happening there? Well, like most of the dioceses in Texas, we're rapidly growing. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think Fort Worth's in the top 10 fastest growing cities in the United States. We tend to get blended in DFW or Dallas, but the Diocese of Dallas split into two dioceses, Dallas and Fort Worth, 54 years ago now. And in a lot of ways, Fort Worth got a lot of the better real estate in, mm-hmm. in that deal. A lot of growth in North Central Texas is taking place in our diocese. Mm-hmm. We cover 28 counties, more than 1.3 million self-identified Catholics. We've got a very robust Catholic charities here that is one of the most respected in the nation. 
Uh, bishop Michael Olson is our, our bishop. He's been our bishop for since 2014. He's really grown our seminarian program. We're getting a lot more homegrown priests. Last year, we were fortunate to ordain the most priests at any one ordination uh, with six. And so we're getting newer, younger guys. They're they're just on fire. And so it's a lot of energy, a lot of new ideas. We do things differently than most dioceses do, particularly even in our fundraising efforts, how we approach it and how we're structured. But but it's just great opportunity out here. And the people are good. I will tell you, we've got a large percentage of Hispanic as most Texas dioceses do, but Fort Worth and Arlington, uh, which is, you know, home of the Dallas Cowboys and the Texas Rangers, and that's a big city in our diocese. Mm -hmm. They were probably one of the biggest resettlement locations for Vietnamese following the fall of Saigon. Wow. We have an extensive Vietnamese population within our diocese, even more so than Dallas Diocese does. A number of our priests, we've got quite a few Vietnamese parishes. We translate everything into those three languages. We also have a good Korean presence. But it's, you know, it's a diverse people uh, culturally, but very, very tied to their Catholic faith and and generous. And it's been a pleasure. I've, I've lived here five years now. It was hard to move here from Lubbock. I've lived in Lubbock. 42 years, which Mission Diocese, and I love love that parish or that uh, diocese as well. Thank you so much for, Renee, for being on our show today. We're so grateful for all the wisdom that you shared. And for those who are listening, I will put uh, Renee's contact information in the show notes. So if you have any follow-up questions to her, uh, I'm sure, Renee, you'd be open to, to hearing from folks. And we're looking forward to seeing you at ICSC in the fall and with all of our other colleagues. So, Absolutely. Thank you for all you're doing here. This is a wonderful ministry. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Have a great weekend. You too. God bless. God bless. I want to thank Renee for joining us today. I'll leave links in the show notes to all of the organizations that we discussed. And once again, Renee, thank you for your service to the church, to the International Catholic Stewardship Conference, and of course, to the Diocese of Fort Worth. Thanks again for joining us today. And once again, I hope that you're all going to be with us in Anaheim in just a couple of weeks for the ICSC Conference. Again, please stop by our booth. We'd love to see you. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to Pottery Studios for another great show. And if you'd like to help our show, please leave us a rating wherever you downloaded this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Advancing Our Church, I hope you'll stick around and subscribe. You can find us on all places where you download your favorite podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And for more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for more than two decades. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.